0: Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it. Brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host Jenny Gladman, and in this sixth season, we delve deeper into the world of clean tech startups and their founders, from inspiring stories and words of wisdom to the toughest challenges. You can expect to learn about how these pioneering startups and the founders at their helm are propelling us towards a cleaner, greener tomorrow. In addition, they'll be offering you timeless teachings to enlighten, engage, and inspire everyone, everywhere to live their purpose. So today's guest is an extremely interesting person. He started his first business to pay his way through university. He is a serial entrepreneur, father of two. And quite literally runs hundreds of miles for fun, which is uh, an interesting concept to me. Um, So today's guest is the founder and CEO of Undo Carbon Removal, Jim Mann. So for those of you that are not familiar with Undo, they've developed pioneering carbon removal technology that can capture huge amounts of CO2 from the atmosphere. So I will let Jim tell you much more about it. I think he's what a lot more well positioned to do that than I am. Um, so Jim, welcome to Conversations in Cleantech.
1: Thank you. Yeah, so, so what, what do we do? Um, very simple on the face of it. We we spread um, basalt rock, certain types of basalt rock around agricultural land, which has sort of two sides to that. And I won't go too deep onto the science unless you want me to, but um, there's a chemical reaction with the, the, the rock which releases uh, minerals, and also captures co2 so it's carbonic acid which is a combination of water and co2 and when that reacts we get bicarbonate ions that's our permanent carbon removal pathway we'll go down to the oceans where it's stored and the other side of that equation releases calcium magnesium phosphate potassium all um, things that you and i would think of as fertilizer so we get a double whammy from this we get a benefit to agriculture and we get carbon captured. The big the big thing for me is that it uses existing infrastructure. So it's a byproduct of the mining and quarrying industry that we use. And um, we can use existing equipment for the spreading. It co-deploys on the land, so it's not taking up land, it, it uses land that's already being used for agriculture, and um, delivers benefits to everybody. So we can get this to scale potentially really, really quickly. And that's what we're aiming to do at Undo. Um, not all as easy as it sounds really hard to measure things in open systems and that's what we spend a lot of time doing is understanding how to measure this how to do good mrv and to be able to demonstrate the the carbon removal that is occurring and, and to to demonstrate that to the level that we can now get carbon credits for this and that's taken us uh, two and a half years work Um, with a really good science team.
0: Fantastic Um, and I think what people are always interested in is the the why, why was it that you decided or you know was there a moment of inspiration you thought I'm gonna start a company that's focused on climate tech solving the climate crisis, was there a moment in time, was that something that built up over the years, why are you doing what you're doing?
1: Yeah so for, for me this this goes there's a thread that goes right through my life. So my, my, my degree was in ecology. I never used the ecology. I drifted onto an entrepreneurial sort of track for my career. Um, but I've always had that, that going on. I've had a permaculture garden at home. I've had, I imported a, a heat pump probably in, I think it was about 2000 and, uh, had to get CE approval on it and get it connected to my house and things. So, so I've always had this sort of climate thread through my life, but kind of thought naively now when i look back on it that this was somebody else's problem this was a government problem to solve and you know we could count on on governments to 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 start tackling climate change in a meaningful way i became increasingly sort of uh, um i guess lost confidence in confidence in that happening over over the years and eventually decided this is something i had to work on Uh, it became something that was just eating me up. And I got the opportunity sort of five, six years ago to work on whatever I wanted to. I didn't need the income for a short period of time, a couple of small exits from other businesses. And uh, I started looking at where I would fit into that. The ecology drew me to tree planting. Tree planting doesn't scale to the level we need. We need it. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to fix climate change. So I then started looking at other solutions and, and enhanced rock weathering became the one that I became obsessed with. And and wanted to take from the lab into the field and to scale up.
0: And and speaking of scale, I think something people find really difficult to wrap their head around is, you know, a company like Undo. What sort of scale would you be operating at, and what does that really mean to us and to the planet? So, um, you know, we talk megatons, gigatons. What does the timeline look for those look like for those sorts of things? um and what does that really mean
1: okay so to to give some sort of idea on it we will put down about 200,000 tons of basalt this year that will remove just short of 50,000 tons of co2 from our atmosphere over the next sort of 20 years um so it's a it's just, it's not a a fast process which is partly why we need to get it done you know quickly about 10% of that removal occurs in the first 12 months. We aim to get that up to 4 million tonnes of rocks, or a million tonnes of removal. It was planned to be 2025. We're trying to move that forward. So we're optimistic that we might be able to get to a million tonnes of removals next year. And the aim, although it's extremely ambitious and probably um, a lot of people would say unachievable, but i think if you don't set ambitious goals you're going to fall always going to fall short we'd like to remove a gigaton a billion tons of co2 from the atmosphere so put down 4 billion tons of rock in 2030 we think that that is it is it, it's, it's it's eminently possible but you you need a lot of things to to happen for that to occur um but that's what we we're aiming to do to give you an idea where direct air capture is likely to be in 2025 Carbon Engineering, who are the, probably the, the most ambitious carbon removal company on the planet, albeit that they don't build the projects themselves, they, they design the technology and license the technology, will be looking to do um, half a million tons of removal, I think it is, by 2025 is their, is their target. So the, the potential for weathering to become one of the leading technologies in this space is is very much there.
0: And in terms of other people doing a similar thing, is there something that makes you unique?
1: So um, I, I think there's, there's a number of things that, that really matter in, in what we're doing. So um, when you you look at the, this isn't just chucking a bit of rock around a field, it's it's, it's the measuring that's the difficult bit. So you've got to, you, you start off with your mineralogy of the rock and really understanding the rock, really understanding the chemistry as well. So what are you putting onto agricultural fields? You know, what's the heavy metal contents? Um is this safe to do? What are the agricultural or agronomic benefits going to be that come from it? Because that's obviously part of the equation is how does this benefit farmers? And then tracking it through being able to actually get all the data you need to be able to certify a carbon credit is, is, is hard. And we need to make sure this is high quality carbon credits and then your MRV into the future. So that entire stack that we run across is is the critical part of what's what's going on here. And so there's, there's multiple bits to it that are difficult um, and combining those is what makes us unique today.
0: Fantastic. And you talked about a number of things that need to happen to allow you to achieve the success you want to reach just by 2030. What sort of things are they that need to line up? What are the... What are the hurdles you need to overcome?
1: So we need the market to grow enough to actually fund this. Um we are in negative cash flow when we put rock on the uh, on the ground because it's a multi year process or multi-decade process, but the majority of it being being the carbon removal being produced in the first few years. So that's a, a challenge. Um they're probably the two the two biggest ones now. If you'd asked me six months ago, I'd have said that the science was still needed. Um, some breakthroughs, we've got those breakthroughs now um, and the technology for, for the tracking is really robust, the methodology is are now there, the first methodologies are out, they they probably will improve over the coming years um, and will probably exceed the standards within those methodologies um, but um, yeah it's all, a, a lot of the components are falling into place, the, the big challenge will be uh, financing this through sales and through futures contracts and things like that.
0: And in terms of the capital you've raised so far, how has that experience been? It's a the entrepreneur's kind of dream and nightmare all at the same time.
1: (laughs) So it's been it's been messy for us in some ways because we started off as a future forest company and this was part of Future Forest Company. We went through a demerger to separate the two because they were sort of heading in different directions. So we'd raised money a couple of rounds of investment in Future Forest Company. And, um, then, then demerged raised a significant round of investment at the back end of last year in not a great climate, although it's certainly not improved any since. Um, so, um, I'm glad we raised when we did, although it would have been probably smart to raise earlier. Um, and it was, yeah, it's been, it's not been easy, I wouldn't have said, but i also don't think it's been too hard it's not been not been the worst fundraisers i've had to do in my career
0: well that's good um and something i'm always interested in is the psychology the being an entrepreneur it's it's the one of the most exciting things you can do with your life but also sometimes it's a bit lonely and and those setbacks fall on your shoulders more than others kind of how do you keep yourself focused and motivated and positive
1: I think with, I think with working on climate particularly, it's the first time I've worked on something that I'm really, I guess, um, connected to and, and that feels different. I'd never sort of understood, you know, there's this Silicon Valley thing of do something that you're passionate about. And I was like, Oh, it's just enjoyed building businesses. It's quite exciting to be building businesses. I tried investing at one point and I didn't get the same buzz that you, you just, you, you, you're on the edge of it. You're sort of, you know, might be giving a bit of advice, but it's not the same as having having the pressure come on onto you yourself. So I think that that for me is is part of it. I like the I like the excitement. And so I think it's kind of a natural, a natural fit there. And the pressure's all part of that. It's all part of what you've kind of signed up for. So I, I, I quite embrace that. I quite enjoy that.
0: Maybe that's it then. You're just naturally driven by that kind of pressure and battling the tough times to get to the better times. Yeah, and
1: I, th- I think, I think, certainly with the climate business, though, you know, it's so important that we get this stuff happening. It's just, this is, you know, above all else, there's there's nothing, there's nothing else to be working on as far as I'm concerned. I, it has to be climate for me. This is the problem of our time, and and it is an existential threat. And I th- still think that the vast majority of people are living in blissful ignorance as to how fast this is coming at us and the scale of the problem that we have to tackle. And, and once you, once your eyes are open to that, I I, I think it, you you can't close them again. You know, this is your, you either have to willfully ignore that or you have to do something about it. And for me, that's do something about it.
0: Couldn't agree more. And I think when we spoke before, we talked about the people in your business and how exceptional they are and For me, um, a lot of my time is spent talking to people who either have founded their own business or are certainly senior within companies. And I think you know any company is only as good as its people. You can have the most incredible technology, the most incredible science, but if you don't have the people to deliver that and make it happen, it won't succeed. So when looking at the people in your business, what sort of challenges have you faced there in terms of finding the right people or motivating those people? and making sure that you've got the strongest team you can have
1: so i think we've been extremely lucky um with the people we found um we have an amazing team really amazing team and 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 strength in 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 depth that i couldn't have even imagined as as getting um and i don't i don't fully understand that um it's not something i've managed to to build in this way, always in the past, and I think part of that is that we 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 hire for values, we hire for um, mission, and and that means you've got a common bond from from the start. I mean, clearly, we look for, for for talent. Clearly, we look for you know smart people who who can who can learn. New things and bring skills to the organization that we don't have. but I think this there's, there's something very special in in that joint focus and mission that you're that you're aligning to. From your side, what 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 creates that sort of team?
0: I, well, I think something that I hear very often in this sector and and for context for for you, you might not know, and the listeners that don't know, I recruited in financial technology for a decade before I did this. So I have a, a different perspective. And I think shared purpose, a shared mission and a shared goal is actually quite common in lots of companies when it's at a company level. But I think in this sector, because it runs much deeper than a company and it's a, you know, it's a global challenge and a global shared purpose, if you can hear the thunder it was summer when we started this podcast recording (laughs) and all of a sudden we've gone through three seasons and now it's thunder and lightning um but the um yeah i think there is something really special when everybody's united in a common purpose and it's exactly the same for us it's the reason that we chose to set brightsmith up was to make an impact in this sector through using our skills I'm not a scientist, I'm not an engineer, I wouldn't be much use on that side of things, but I know people and I understand search. And I think having done the same internally, we've built a team of people who all want to pursue a career in executive or leadership search, but are absolutely fundamentally committed to doing it with purpose. Now, I'm certainly not detracting from any other sector, but this is one that just has undeniable purpose. And I think because your company is so aligned to that and people see the bigger purpose and the bigger mission, actually, it just it almost amplifies everybody's skills and capability and increases the depth and breadth of the team. It's the um, it's the kind of classic, you know, your team should be much greater than the sum of the individual parts, and I think where you share that purpose, it, it really truly is.
1: Yeah, I, I like what you, you you say there as well about um, taking the skills that you already have and translating them into the sector, because we see a lot of people who sort of say, "How do I, how do I get into climate?" and it's not it's not go and learn how to be a battery technician. It's it's what skills do you already have? Bring them across because desperately need those skills or, or maybe not us right now but but some co- some organization some company in climate needs those skills that you already have and 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 just bring them bring those those skills don't don't look at your skills and sort of say this isn't climate skills everything's climate skills we've got to build companies we've got to build really big companies in in a space of time that we've never built companies of that scale before so that means every skill that exists in any company is going to be required so bring them this is kind of the view yeah that we
0: absolutely in fact funnily enough the hour before this i was on somebody else's podcast sat on the other side of the fence and we were talking about exactly the same thing the fact that you hear the word clean tech and you think i need to be a techie you hear clean energy you might think i need to be an engineer but the fact is you don't actually need to be any of those things and you really touched on it there We want the best lawyers in the world negotiating the contracts. We want the best marketeers amplifying the voice of these organizations. So every single person that makes an organization more powerful or more efficient, if that's what you're good at, actually takes takes things forward a step. And I think you can't underestimate how important it is for every single person um, at every level level of the organization to be united in that mission
1: i completely agree yeah
0: so speaking of missions um you knew i was going to spring this on you but something that we um have spoken about before is your love of running the the real life forrest gump um (laughs) and (laughs) i i find it fascinating i a self-confessed not great runner um i'm a five potentially 10k girl um, and I don't think I'll ever go past it, but your story's amazing and i and I feel like some of what must come out in doing the running is the same kind of i wanna say being a little bit bloody minded in terms of your desire to succeed also will make you a more successful entrepreneur, so please share with us your uh, your running story
1: well, so I've done quite a lot of a lot of running, so i run long distance um ultra ultra distance um generally um and I guess mountain stuff's what really grabs me. so I like long mountain days um, but um, everything 24 hour rounds um, there's various various hill rounds in the UK um, which I've done um, and just yeah long, long long 100 mile races that's fairly normal um, sometimes longer um, but ideally in in big mountains alps or, or or the uk's uk's little mountains can be quite entertaining Um, they tend to be a bit more unpredictable from a weather pers- perspective so um challenging in different ways i guess but yeah i enjoy i enjoy the the, the, the mountains and, and long days out
0: and what do you get out of it like is there a real sense of achievement at the end or is it really along the way that you just truly enjoy what you're doing
1: i, I think there's Oh, there's times you don't enjoy it. I definitely don't. There's times when it's <laughs> not enjoyable. Um, so there's 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 something there's something enjoyable about completing some of these challenges, but particularly when you don't know you can do it. I think that's the that's the most satisfying um, experiences, the ones you're not sure you can do and, and then do complete. I do enjoy it generally, um, but you will inevitably go through dark spells on a hundred mile race. Your 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 body sort of falls apart. Um, to some extent, so 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 you're you're anticipating that happening, but it's also real escapism. Um, there's there's something there's something very peaceful about being in the mountains at, at, at night and finding your way through through that landscape. And you can't really be thinking about. I do sort of think about work quite a lot when I'm running, but you can't always be thinking about work if you've got difficult navigation to do in the night at night in mountains you, 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 you're fairly focused on, on what you're doing. So, so there's definitely an escape or something and I won't take my phone. I mean, that's one of my, my, my rules and I get in, I get in trouble sometimes for that at home, um, that I won't just won't carry a phone, even if I'm out on my own in the mountains, I just, I don't want that connection. And, and, and the argument is always, well, just turn it off. It's like, yeah, but it's still there. It's, it's, it's with me and I want to be disconnected from work. Not accessible. Not tempted to check emails. Not tempted to check messages. It, it's 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 that's my time. Once I've once I've left my phone and gone out into the mountains, that's I, 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 I'm I'm totally out of office.
0: Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the kind of the the down to the up. Everyone needs their reset. Um, and I touched on there the kind of comparisons in traits. But I I like to ask um everyone who's founded a business and has been successful. Um, what kind of traits that you think are, are important for an entrepreneur to have to be successful?
1: So, uh, I think it takes all types. I mean, if you look at successful entrepreneurs, they, they, there is no there is no model. Um, people often look to your your swashbuckling sort of Richard Branson characters, but they're not typical. They just stand out because of their their media presence and and things i think so there's definitely something in in tenacity and and in keeping going because it's hard and i think every founder you speak with acknowledges that um it's never it's never easy it's never straightforward and and, and there's lots of setbacks along the way so you're trying to do something hard and and being prepared to to keep going when it's tough i think is a, is a key is a key trait I, i'm sure there's a ton of others that 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 really contribute but i i think think the way I would frame those is more by recognizing an ability to, to be quite challenging to yourself and to understand what you're not good at and be prepared to rely on other people to do the things that you're not good at and, and always find people that are better than you at everything they do and and that's one of the things i really love about the team we have now is you, you look across the team and we have really talented people in in so many roles that they're all doing a better job than i could possibly do of, of, of what they're doing and that's really satisfying because you're never looking at their work sort of thinking are they are they, are they doing this right could i should I should I pick this up? And I think recognising that is actually something that, that takes probably a bit of practice, actually, as well as a, ability to reflect on, on what you're not good at.
0: And I think quite often people that start their own companies have an element of control freak in them as well. And it's there's a, a lesson learnt to relinquish control and, as you said, put other people in charge of really important aspects of your business which are critical to its success um and and to trust them
1: yeah and and to let them get on and do it because i think um and i find that very easy with really talented people and it's when you've possibly got people who aren't you're not as confident in that you're tempted to interfere in, and that's maybe one of your the warning signs that, that something isn't quite isn't quite right but yeah I definitely agree with that and and good people really good people don't like it when they're not trusted they, they, they want to be able to get on and do do things and, and they need that space to really flourish if you want to get the best out of them they've got to have that space
0: yeah and I think really good people will also tell you when they're struggling as well
1: yes and 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 that becomes a cultural aspect as well of making it okay to be Finding things difficult, you know what? What are you struggling with? Can can we find solutions? Because there's a whole load of other talented people here who might have seen this before or can help you find the solutions. And and even good people will struggle with things. Though you you're asking them to do things they've not done before. So I, I completely agree with that. And and that's part of the openness that's that's essential as well.
0: Um, and thinking of our our listener base for this series, given that the series is exclusively focused on founders of companies, for those people out there that are thinking about this or considering uh, founding their own business, is there any advice you'd have to them? It can be the positives, it could be the pitfalls to avoid, but you know, if you could give them a couple of tips before they start off on that journey, what would they be?
1: S- so. to to get on with it would be the first one because um i think if they're thinking about doing it so if they if they if they've got that itch then just do it you you, there's no there is no playbook there is no not a lot of advice i think i can i can really give on how to do it what to do but but just just do it (laughs) um because you see a lot of people who think they want to do it and, and spend a long time procrastinating and finding lots of reasons not to do it. Ultimately, just, just try, see what happens. Um, and what's the worst that can happen if you if you set things up properly and structure them properly, you can cover your downside risks pretty effectively. And I, I think then talk to lots of people. Once you think you know what you want to do, talk to lots of people who who have experience in those those areas, they'll often be really open and really helpful. Um, and if you if you go to them with, with smart questions, they'll generally engage with you. And that doesn't matter whether they're a scientist or a, or, or, or somebody who's already an entrepreneur or or, or whatever it is. Um, I think if you've done your research, if you and, and you go to people with smart questions, they, they generally engage with you.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think this community more so than any other I've been a part of, there's there's incredible networking events, there's a real sense of community, and there is just a sense of people wanting everybody else to succeed and needing everybody else to succeed. I think that's a, <laughs> that's one of the key things. Um, and talking about success, um, I think we, we mentioned this earlier, but it's it's very hard to measure the success of a business like yours. Are there specific measures that you've got in place in terms of the impact to both the environment and to society that kind of give you that? Are we are we hitting a certain benchmark?
1: So so I think broadly about impact and, and when when I think about where I should be spending my time and and i try and encourage other people to think in the same way it should be about w- what is the impact what is going to be the impact of of this is it the best use of your time for impact now how you define impact is a different 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 question different measure in in our case the measurable impact of what we do is tons of carbon removed but there are a whole host of other benefits that come alongside that in terms of reduced inputs um improved yields um Better life outcomes. We're starting to do some work in Sub-Saharan Africa, and the impact there on on individual life um, outlooks can be huge for for small, you know, two or three acre farmers. If you can increase their yields significantly, which in some areas we can, that can change their lives literally. And so um, that impacts much harder to to put a finite measure around but almost easier to see on a case by case basis. So I think, yeah, the measurable one is, is tons of carbon removed. And we, we have some, you know, very clear goals set by the IPCC that we collectively need to be hitting and we need to think about our contribution towards that and how much we can, we can remove as an organization. Um, but we mustn't also neglect the wider impacts of agricultural benefit and what that can mean to people, people's life. Chances.
0: And thinking bigger than Undo um, and kind of climate tech startups generally, um, what's your view on the impact that climate tech startups will have in the kind of broader fight against climate change versus the, corp- the corporates?
1: Corporates are typically really bad at innovation and, and there's lots of reasons for that. Um, they're not wired for rapid innovation They're not wired for risk taking and people, once you get past a certain size that are attracted to corporates, um, typically are trained to perform functions within a, within that engine. Generally, corporates find innovation hard, certainly cutting edge innovation. I think that they will have a massive, massive role in scaling up technologies. We're going to really need them. They're very good at project development. They're very good at large scale deployment. They have amazing talent within them that, that we're going to need access to. And, and there's multiple ways that can be accessed. You know, you, you look at some of the investments that's coming in, some of it's strategic now. Oil and gas, um, whatever your, your, your view of oil and gas, have invested quite heavily into the clean tech sector um, and are helping it to scale. We've, we, we, we've avoided oil and gas investment, just to, to be clear. Um, but, and, and I'm not sure how appropriate it is for the type of business we have, but we do have investment from um, one of the world's largest mining companies, and um, that strategically is really valuable to us. The skills they have in, in various areas, like grinding of rocks and things, is, is really significant. They have massive assets of, of, of material, and therefore... We can bring them innovative solutions to some of their problems. so I think I think you have to look a lot wider than just the climate tech startup scene. The, 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 this is the kind of the innovation part of the uh, of what's happening, but the impact it has is much, much wider and and it needs to be. Um, and most likely, a lot of these startups that we're seeing will not go on to be to change the world. It's never happened. You know, you look at this in any other sector. Facebook's a massive outlier. The ones you always read about, the ones you always hear about are the huge outliers. The tiny, tiny fraction of all the businesses that that are incorporated into other organizations because they have a great product that fits into something else. I think this will be the same. I don't think it will be any different. You'll see some of these being swallowed up by larger organizations where the benefit of the technology can be realized quicker and have a a more significant impact. And I think that's just fine and, and we should, embrace that rather than um there seems to be a little bit of a narrative around corporates being bad in this space because of the historic emissions and startups being good and, and the two need to come together um if we're gonna really get the benefit.
0: Yeah and we're seeing more and more really interesting joint ventures collaboration and I think it has to happen. And everybody in the same way we talked about the the individuals in a company being more powerful together, the companies themselves collaborating become more powerful together. So that was actually going to be my last question on trends. I guess that's probably a trend in itself that we just touched on, but kind of final thoughts on trends for the sector and what you can envisage over the next few years.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite nervous because of the general funding landscape. We're seeing a big drop off in, in later stage funding and that's that worries me to an extent. I think that probably means that we will see more more startups get swallowed up quicker into bigger organisations. I, I don't think that means that, that that what they're doing isn't valuable. I think it'll it it it'll just be realised in a different way. And I think we will see far more of the the corporates start having to address their their climate problem, and. I really hope we'll start to see more legislation in this space. But the legislation won't come until we've already invented the solutions. Um, they, they'll, they'll follow once we can show them the solutions exist and that legislation makes sense. But if we're looking for people to legislate when there aren't solutions, it's just not going to happen. No, no, no one in their right mind is going to start insisting that people offset all of their emissions, for example when we, we, with something that's got a permanence, you know, SBTI sort of talk about, we think it's going to be a thousand year permanence, but you can't do that to to companies when it's costing $600 a ton plus for that removal. And and no legislator in their right mind is going to do that. So we will have to come up with the solutions that actually empower legislators to then make this mass market proposition. I, but I But I think that's happening. I certainly hope it's going to happen. And I hope I'm not just living in 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 some utopian future in my head where 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 that happens Um, but it it needs to happen if we're going to keep a habitable planet so i think the pressure is going to ramp up and hopefully that creates a real opportunity for for innovators yeah
0: i couldn't agree more well thank you for that Uh, thank you for your story and for joining us today Um, and we wish you every success in reaching the uh the targets that you've set yourself and continuing to, uh, to run across I'll say the country but probably other parts of the planet as well but yeah thanks a lot for telling your story Jim.
1: Thank you for having me on.